Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host, Michael Peterson. With me today is Gregory Burke, CEO for the Ramey Modern. Thank you for being on the show today, Gregory. Thank you, Michael. I think it's good timing for you to come in. There's been some recent uh, conversation about the Ramey in the press recently about some of the construction delays that were occurring recently. And to start off, I just wanted to provide an opportunity if you'd like to provide any of a bit of a response to the media that's been out there. Well, the first thing that I would like to point out is that when I took on this job and came to Saskatoon, the contract was already set, the shovels were in the ground, and my job and the job of my team and the job of the the board volunteers is to uh, set the gallery up for success and make sure that it can operate successfully when open. So just to reinforce, we didn't, you know, we didn't come to the city and say we want to build this gallery. The gallery contract was already set. Our job is to make sure that it can operate successfully when open and that it's very exciting and, and very impactful for the community. Having said that, the, the city is the building owner and, and is managing the construction project. And it's unfortunate that there's been a projected delay of a few months. But, you know, good things take time, I would say. And we are definitely uh, out there, very vigorously out there in the community, running community programs at this point. So people are still getting a, um, an art experience out there. And when we do open, it will be, I mean, the building is extraordinary. It's very generous. It's very community oriented. And it will be spectacular when it opens. So, yes, the delay is, is unfortunate, but it's going to be spectacular when it opens. Well, great. And you mentioned the community programming. One of the projects, one of the larger projects that has happened recently was the Super Community Live that took place at the Roxy Theatre. I'm wondering if you can speak a bit about how that project came together. Sure. Well, the Soup Community project really uh, started at the Venice Biennale this year and at the beginning of May. And basically, the Venice Biennale artistic director invited a collective known as Eflux Journal to participate as an artistic project with the, uh, with the Venice Biennale. And so Eflux is an organization based in New York City that's a very multi-dimensional uh, project one aspect is that it has a uh, listserv, really the number one list arts listserv for announcements about museum and gallery exhibitions around the world. And they, they really uh, deliver those uh, messages, the four to five daily, to you know, probably close to 100,000 of sort of key people in the international art world. But they also run a gallery in New York and they also run a journal. So it was the journal that was invited into the, into the Venice Biennale. And I have had a long, uh, long relationship with Eflux e- e- Journal. I, I must state right from the outset that these, these are artists as well as people who are running this particular journal. And one of the Anton Vidocle, for example, uh, he was the founder of Eflux. He's an artist and uh, he was included in the Montreal Biennale that I curated uh, in 2014. Uh, it's just one connection. I So we, we were talking and... Ramey Modern agreed to partner with Super Community for the project in Venice. And what that meant for Ramey Modern and for Saskatoon is that on every announcement, so they published one, um, each day they would publish one article or one text by leading poets, visual artists, 
philosophers, you know, critics from, from around the world, from Latin America, from Asia, from Europe, and from North America. And each one that came out noted that this was a partnership with, with Ramey Modern. And so what that did for, for us is really kind of announce in a very kind of significant way our, our presence to the world, that we were in the state of becoming. And when people would then go, they could click on a hot link on the uh, announcement and go straight to the Ramey Modern website. Part of the collaboration, the arrangement for the collaboration was that at the end of the project, there would be a live component and that would be staged here in Saskatoon. So while uh, the primary sort of artistic programming for the uh, live event was done by Eflux, bringing it here to Saskatoon meant that we had people, uh, I mean there were people flying up from Seattle, there were people driving up from Minneapolis, from Winnipeg, from Calgary. It really uh, created a kind of a, a nerve centre, if you like, for that weekend here in Saskatoon, and people were aware of the event all around the world. Well, sure, and as you say, it did bring Saskatoon into an international discussion and bringing people here on a scale that generally hadn't been done before through the arts here. I'm wondering if you can speak a bit to the benefits uh, beyond sort of presenting the gallery as becoming and announcing the coming of the Ramey, the benefits that that's having for the community. Well, yeah, I mean, i just like to say that when you say it hasn't happened before, for me, uh, an important precursor was the MLA workshops that were uh, run by the University of Saskatchewan in the 1950s and 1960s. And uh, those workshops, summer workshops, which were led by the leading lights of classic modernist painting at the time from North America, people like um, the, the critic and theorist Clement Greenberg or the painter Barnett Newman, they were really very significant, but they were significant too in the sort of interaction with the local uh, artist community here. And, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, Clement Greenberg at the time sort of described Saskatoon as the second most important art centre outside of New York. <laughs> that might seem a, a, a little overblown, but those relationships and the impact of that interaction continues to this day. And so that idea was really a, a precursor. I mean, for us, Super Community was a ready-made event, and we didn't have uh, much involvement in the, in the programming, but we had a little bit. For example, we, uh, we proposed Raymond Boisjoli, who was uh, an artist here in Canada from First Nations uh, descent, and who's an incredibly interesting artist and very articulate. So that for us sent out a signal that, you know, one of the things that we want to do is to put uh, First Nations issues to the fore. And of course, and that's partly in recognition of that Saskatoon, I think, is currently over 10% of the population of First Nations, but also the historical significance of the land here to First Nations people. And we want to look, when we open, to being very involved in those discussions, but also put them into uh, an international context. So. What that would mean is not only uh, talking about First Nations issues here, but how they've been addressed, particularly in relation to uh, the visual arts in places like Australia or uh, where I come from, Aotearoa, New Zealand, or uh, in, in the US, particularly in the south of the US. There's a lot of interesting activity happening there. So it's about not... So, I mean, our direction is really about how... It's not just sort of parachuting people in and we all bow at, to them as art stars. What, it, what it's about is, is about creating a discussion that 
relates very much to Saskatoon, but links the discussion here in Saskatoon to larger issues in the world. We also finished the event on the Saturday evening with one of our turnout events, and again, we uh, the the highlight of that turnout event was a performance by Adrian Stimson and Laurie Blondeau, two First Nations artists here in Saskatoon. So, if you if you see this as uh, just a kind of an indicator of what we're going to be doing uh, when we open, it's, it is that we will be creating a context to put a local artists into an international context. So, you know, we'll create events and exhibitions that address local issues, but in a, in a much wider framework. Yeah, that's great. And as you say, it does bring local people and local issues into a larger context of conversation. You mentioned then, too, going back to the Emma workshops, this really importance of connection to that local community. And I guess the other aspect that I'm wondering about too would be, is there any plan moving forward in terms of how, when those people are coming here to engage on a really community level, even outside of maybe the events to engage with arts community or with artists or groups here? Yeah. And just to put this into perspective and to say a little bit about what we're doing, I mean, Sometimes people say, well, you know, what are you doing if you're closed? And the thing is, is that, well, we're running all these community programs. We are vigorously fundraising to complete the building. We have this huge piece called the transition, which means we have to wind up all of the organization at the Mental Art Gallery. A lot of legal work, a lot of business planning. We have to get all the servers and the websites and all the visual identity work done for the new... I mean, and the the business planning, the strategic planning, the uh, ticketing systems, the booking systems. We've got to start marketing these these event spaces uh, at least a year ahead of opening. So there's all this transition work, and then we've got to actually uh, develop all the program, all the uh, services for when we open. You know, and I, I can tell you that the exhibition spaces are many, many times uh, more than than the Mendels. So uh, there's a lot of work there. I estimate that we'll be, as well as showing our collection, we'll be uh, in the first year of operation. We'll be making loan requests for about 600 artworks from across Canada and across the world. So the super community event, it was a way to signal what we wanted to do, but it was a bit of a ready-made project and organised and, and um, artistically programmed by uh, uh, EFLUX. But when we open, we want to create, uh, I guess, temporarily longer opportunities like that. So maybe bring artists in to work with other artists, like we might bring a... Um, you know, a leading First Nations artist and from somewhere else in the world to actually participate in workshops with local Indigenous artists here. Or we might bring in... I mean, we're looking very much to partner with the university as well. Sure. And I know that the university is keen to kind of build on the the uh, history of Emma Lake. So we'll be definitely... Um, looking to have uh, partnerships there with the university. So yeah, Super Community, it was in and out in two days, and it it's certainly had its limitations, but when the gallery opens, there's going to be a, a gamut of different things that are going on, some of them long-term, some of them very quick and short-term. Well, sure, and if I may ask one more question about Super Community before we move on. One other aspect I thought that was interesting was its focus on climate, the climatic unconscious, and as sort of a subtext for the conversation, and I guess, is climate or climate change or sustainability, is is that an issue that will be addressed by the Ramians in terms of exhibitions that would be about it, or is it more on like an organizational, or was that more of something that came in from the super community programming? 
Um, well, I just want to make it clear. I mean, calling it the climatic unconscious, I don't think EFLUX Journal were specifically focusing on climate change. What they were talking about is rapid change that's happening in the planetary level, and whether it's cultural, technological, political, or climatic. And they were talking, I think they're talking about how this change is, is it's even hard to map it, let alone actually think about how it can be influenced or slowed down or pointed in a different direction. So the idea of climatic unconscious is very much talking about a whole lot of different kind of trajectories that are happening simultaneously that are interconnected. For example, we know the principles of maintaining buoyancy in our world seem to be driven by the idea of the economy always upturning. But we also know that an upturning economy requires more resources. So, yeah, this idea of sustainability was definitely a, an aspect. But importantly, too, a lot of the people address technological change, mm-hmm. and the, that is happening so rapidly in the world that it's really hard to kind of get your head around how quickly, you know, things are changing and what the impact of all of this technological change, social media and everything else, and um, all of the uh, uh, information that is now available and going online instantaneously is to map what is the outcome of all of that. So how this relates to, say, the program at the Ramey Modern when we open, I wouldn't want to say that we are going to exclusively address these issues, but what we want to do is to look at how artists are responding to a range of issues, whether it's very uh, issues that are very kind of specifically local or issues that, are, that can only be really thought about on a global level. And artists are doing that, and I think it, it's important to understand that for an art museum in the 21st century, you know, things aren't the same as they were 100 years ago, and that in this day and age, artists are also trying to address sort of values beyond just its value as an object, like a, a painting hanging on the wall. How can it actually engage with some of the wider issues that we face in our time and I think there'll be exhibitions that in many ways respond to that but there'll be exhibitions that kind of back on the classic moment of modern art you know going back to say the 50s and and looking at how that art is relevant today. And then just to talk about one other aspect of the community engagement during uh, this transition period uh, one of the other programs that the Ramey has been engaged in is the makerspace at Sky up, and I'm I'm wondering too if we can talk a bit about that or the extent to which that's reflective of the type of engagement with the community or programming for community and project-oriented programming that is taking place. Well, we're very much in the stage of program modeling and and developing the kind of types of programs that will be happening at Ramey Modern, and this really relates back to what I was saying before. One of the key ideas that is driving the program development is this idea of live or this question of, you know, how to live. How does art help us live? And it really, um, it really pivots around this idea that I've had for quite some time, is that, say, if you take a painting and it's on a wall, that painting is just a series of atoms and molecules. The art is really not the, the painting itself. The art is the interaction between the artist and the viewer. So if you think about this as an exchange rather than as an, this is an object that should be venerated because of all its values, not least monetary values, but you think about it as this is a, a medium for communication between an artist 
and and within a community. I mean, an artist doesn't just make a painting that come that go, you know just out of thin air. They they are engaged in thinking about what their predecessors have done or things that they've read about, and so on and so forth. So I think a really important part of this is this idea that to move away from this idea that an, an art exhibition or a painting on a wall is about a one-way delivery of knowledge. Art, I think, is, a, is about an interaction, and people bring knowledge to art. So, you know, with things like Makerspace or any of the other programs we're thinking about in terms of our opening at Ramey Modern, a lot of them will be around this idea of live to actually get engage people and allow people to come with their questions and come with their knowledge and engage that in terms of the interaction with the art of the exhibition. To give you an example, I mean, when I was in Toronto, we initiated a Sunday program. We had a program where, like at 2 o'clock on weekend days, there would be somebody there to take people through a guided tour of the exhibition. And what I noticed is that no, hardly anyone would be turning up. They didn't want a guided tour of the exhibition. But then we set up this program where we invited experts or people who were knowledgeable in certain areas to come and talk about a painting or an exhibition from their perspective. So if they were, say, a physicist and there was an exhibition that in some ways touched on ideas of the universe and the the galaxy and whatever, they would come and they would say, okay, what does this painting or exhibition mean to me? And we found that it was incredibly successful. They would bring their community, their community would feel comfortable about the ideas that were being discussed, and then they began to realise that you know, art can be discussed from a, a whole range of different viewpoints. Well, and then in terms of that community, SkyUp is a interesting choice of space to start that because it is a space that addresses a community where the youth who are often at SkyUp are youth who face barriers to employment. And it's a community that may or may not feel as comfortable going into a traditional gallery. And so um, it's an interesting choice to start there. Yeah. And the, uh, another area that interests me is the... Um, and that we will definitely be developing programs for this community is the elderly. I think one thing that we have succeeded doing in the last hundred years as a, a wider community is prolonging people's life. But often we're not prolonging the quality of life. And many of those, many people in the uh, senior citizens, when they get to a certain age, their mobility is restricted. Mentally, they might be as alert as anyone else, but their their bodies are not as uh, they're obviously not as fit as they they were, and sometimes they have to be you know put into homes and things like that. And um, quality of life isn't necessarily great when you're in a home. I mean, you know, I've heard uh, talk to people and sort of say, well, it's almost like being you know incarcerated. You you sort of Yes, you have friends there, but, you know, your ability to engage with the world is restricted. And so that's another community that we want to uh, uh, address when we open. Well, and then I guess both along the line of the elderly and also attendees at SkyUp, to my understanding with the programming now, it's generally a process of bringing in people, often from the Ramey, to lead programs for those in attendance. Is there any thought going forward to creating opportunities to allow those in those communities to present projects or to become involved in more leadership or decision-making capacities along those lines? Leadership and decision-making? Or in terms of presenting, because I'm just thinking of SkyUp as how they have often, they have a program of workshops that are run by SkyUp staff as well, existing, or drop-in centers where they're allowing community to come in and use supplies and, and create work currently. 
is there a thought of supporting some of the existing programming or is it more about creating other programming that moves into that space? Um, well, I can't be definitive on that. I mean, we're a year to 18 months away from opening. Certainly, I mean, we, we want to work outside our walls, but we've got to get the uh, programs inside our walls, you know, up and running and being strong as well. So we're looking at that interaction all the, you know, all the time. You know, getting that balance right will be important. I mean, I'm a, I'm a supporter and a fan of the idea that, you know, it, it, the question is how do you, as an art gallery that is kind of wanting to show, you know, the sort of the quality of art, both locally, nationally, internationally, but how do you then uh, actually create a platform for people who are maybe not at that level, you know, the level of being at the top of the, their game? And those questions are very much ones that we're considering, and I think there will be some very interesting projects that address that when we open. Well, sure. I, I guess just to go back to the idea of engaging in conversation around Indigenous artists, which you had mentioned was one of the keys in Super Community and bringing Raymond Bajali and Laurie and Adrian and, and moving forward. I guess I'm wondering, too, in terms of the staff and sort of the structure, if, to my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, there aren't a large number of Indigenous peoples within the Raymi staff. Or I'm just wondering in terms of programming or in terms of that sort of structural level, is there thought to how to include more Indigenous people in that space? Uh, yeah, as to how that might unfold, I really don't have any details. Oh, of course but, not, I don't mean to. Uh, but, you know, I think one of the first things we've got to do is start at a board level. We have a board retreat coming up, and that's one of the areas that... Are, uh, one of the topics I'm going to present and, and speak about. But I also like to, I mean, I, I can say, you know, categorically that for the community to feel welcome in the Raimi Modern, it certainly helps if there are people that they feel comfortable with. So, I mean, I think it's important to have visibility of First Nations. I mean, I would put a priority on First Nations, but of course I would be... Uh, also talking about trying to represent the cultural diversity here in Saskatoon in a broader sense as well. Sure, and having a a gallery that's reflective of the community in which it's in. But, well, we're getting to the end of our time, Gregory, and I appreciate you coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with or discuss? I just want to reinforce that idea that the the scale of the Raimi Modern is daunting, and there is an incredible amount of work to do to set that up. The Raimi Modern is not only bigger than the Mendel, it's, it's much more than the, what the Mendel was as an art gallery. It's, it's a convention centre. There will be weddings happening there, you know, most likely on a weekly basis and, and big community gatherings, you know, where people rent out for weddings or for, for business events or community events and things like that. There will be huge amounts of catering that has to happen. There's a whole variety of community spaces. We have a much more vigorous and rigorous kind of teaching and learning program with with classrooms and things like that with all the booking systems and uh, and all the there's a very strong business aspect to the Raby modern that has to be put in place and and the amount of work that's involved is huge and, and that's really what I want to communicate is that people are my team and my volunteer board members giving huge amounts of their personal time to actually making sure that we can open and succeed it's one of those things that often happens in art, isn't it? People who are passionate about it, just you, you end up giving your time, isn't it, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show and speaking a bit about what we have to look forward to with Raimi Modern Gregory. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Unframed Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. 
My guest tonight has been Gregory Burke, Executive Director for the Ramey Modern, speaking about current and future programming. For more information, you can go to Ramey Modern, that's R-E-M-A-I modern.org. One upcoming event to let you know about is the Flock and Gather Winter Wonders Handmade Market, taking place this Friday and Saturday at St. Joseph's Parish Hall on the corner of Broadway and 8th Street. The market is free to attend this Friday from 4.30 to 9.30 in the late afternoon and evening, and Saturday from 10 to 5. As well, they have a pre-sale event Friday from 3.30 to 4.30, where for $10 you can get in for an hour of quieter shopping ahead of the larger sale. Flock and Gather is a curated craft sale, meaning the quality is quite high, and each market features different local and regional artisans and makers. When I've gone in the past, it's been quite busy, and I know vendors do sell out, so it really is a nice opportunity to see the types of products being made around here. Again, that's this Friday and Saturday, and you can find out more on their Facebook page or by going to flockandgather.blogspot.com. My name is Michael Peterson, and you've been listening to Unframed Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon, streaming live at cfcr.ca. Or for the first week, I can say that you may have been listening to our podcast, which is now available at unframedradio.com podcast. And since we have just got the site set up, to let you know, we have backdated all our previous episodes. So if you have missed an episode or would like to hear one again, you can find all those episodes, as I say, at unframedradio.com podcast. Thank you and have a good evening.